Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? Um, you look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you look? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. And welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. New intro, same old faces. Uh, today, our game is all about accuracy, and we got one of the most accurate rankers in all fantasy football and the newest member of the football guys joining up. Pat Fitzmaurice, how are you doing? Matt and Calvin, thanks for having me. That intro was incredible, man. That was something like, did James Cameron or, or McGee direct that for you guys? I mean, that was just amazing. So we're going to give a shout out right off the get-go to a friend of the show, Michael Finero and uh, mm -hmm. at Ardvar TV. Check him out. He drops this. He's the guy who's kind of hit us with this new intro. He's got some little countdown on the side. Uh, we've been very fortunate and blessed that he's been able to work with us to put this together. Um, before we get into this too much here, Pat, uh, we just want to give a, a nice, healthy send-off to uh, Jeff Mueller. Uh, recently, Jeff was a Viper. And once you're a Viper, you're a Viper for, uh, for life. Uh, he's moved on to DLF now, so congratulations, Jeff. We're proud of you, bud. Absolutely. I'll just echo those same statements. Uh, sentiments, Jeff, is, uh, is, is awesome. I've been calling him the officially unofficial uh, doctor of fantasy Twitter, and he's also incredible at breaking down prospects. So pumped for him joining DLF and uh, taking that next step in his, in his uh, career with this. this it just, it's really cool to watch him. So accidentally stumble into our show one time thinking he was just <laughs> clicking on a link to watch it to now where he is now he's it, it's been awesome to watch and uh i'm excited about having pat here i'm excited about hanging out with you matt it's a great day free agency started we got new people and new teams and i can't wait to talk about that and to talk about our guest here uh, absolutely so Pat, we're going to get into you a little bit more of your personal stuff, a little bit of what you're doing on the side. And uh, if anyone doesn't know, Pat is the most accurate this year. He's got the trophy to prove it. It's a beautiful trophy from Fantasy Pros. The most accurate ranker in all the land. And he's going to take a little shot here in a little bit about see if he can nail some accuracy picks for these free agents are about to land. So I, I think probably we have to start with just maybe the biggest name on the market is still Juju, right? So do you have any Juju at Kenny Galladay? Do you have any idea of in your when you look in your crystal ball where you think those guys are going? Yeah, these are tough calls. Um, I kind of had Juju until a few minutes ago pegged for uh, the Jets. Just a wild guess. It felt like he might be a New York kind of guy. Um, you know, I know Robert Sala is, is looking for guys who are just, you know, dogs. And I know Juju not only is, um, you know, pretty, pretty versatile receiver, but just a hell of a blocker in the running game. I, I thought he might be a Jets kind of guy, but now with Corey Davis going there, I'm wondering if maybe Juju makes his way back home to, um, 
Southern California and signs on with the Raiders who, you know, don't have Nelson Aguilar anymore, could use a veteran presence to, uh, you know, pair up with uh, Henry Ruggs and, uh, oh man, who's I'm totally blanket, Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Juju's kind of a young guy himself, but, um, you know, he definitely, I think, got his locker room cred stamped early in Pittsburgh when he just flattened Vontaze perfect as a rookie. Uh, kind of vengeance for a, a dirty hit on Antonio Brown. So, um, you know, I, I could kind of see Juju going back there. That's one guess. And for Galladay, I don't think people would like this. And I know there were rumors floating around today that the Ravens might be going after DJ Chark in some sort of trade. Um, you know, I saw that floated out there and then nothing really happened right away. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that was just smoke or maybe something will happen, but I could see Kenny Galladay winding up there. Um, mm. the Ravens could use some size at receiver for sure. They've got, you know, a lot of fast guys, but it's kind of a, a smaller receiver room for them. And, you know, Galladay would be that nice big target for, uh, you know, Lamar, where maybe he doesn't have to put it right on the money. You've got a guy who can go up and get it on some throws downfield, maybe. Can I pitch you an idea for Kenny Galladay and you tell me what you think? Sure. All right. So Daryl Bevel, OC in Jacksonville. Mm. Urban Meyer wants to build the fastest offense in the league, he said. What about a reunion there with him and Daryl Bevel and making things interesting for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville? That would be interesting. Would that be after a, a Chark trade, or do they have all of Chark, Galladay, Visca? That would be fun, man. That would be a lot of fun. I that like would be it. Fun. Yeah. Yep. Matt, what else? Uh, what other uh, free agents do we want to uh, predict? So we got Galladay out there. You kind of throwing that out there. You threw Juju Raiders as kind of the prediction. We got Galladay. We got Will Fuller. Where do we see Will Fuller landing? Um, I could kind of maybe see him with the Colts. Just a wild guess. I think the Colts are in pretty good cap shape. Uh, you know, they could they could afford to get one of the bigger ticket wide receivers. Um, you know, with Hilton most likely not coming back, they need someone. Uh, someone fast, really, because I think, you know, Pittman's not a slow receiver, but they could use someone to, to stretch things out a little bit. And, um, you know, it seems like they're they're really trying to put Wentz in a position to succeed, reuniting him with Frank Reich, getting him behind one of the better offensive lines in the league, giving him a good running game and, you know, giving him a good vertical receiver. And really not just a vertical receiver. I think we saw Fuller's versatility this past year that he's, you know, dangerous at multiple levels of the field. So, um, yeah, he'd be a really nice w weapon for Carson Wentz, who hasn't really worked with many good receivers in recent years. But you mentioned Will Fuller using that speed and stretching that defense out there, especially for a Colts offense with a, a running back like Jonathan Taylor there. If you can stretch that defense out and get a few minutes out of the box or vice versa, if you're facing eight-man boxes, that's a lot of one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with Will Fuller. Even Carson Wentz can't screw that up. And I, I was kind of leaning towards Galladay as being my kind of Colts pick there just mm. to give Wentz that big end zone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my eyes and just kind of chuck it up there and hope for the best. 
But we'll see if that offensive line in Indy can kind of stabilize uh, the, the mentality of Carson Wentz in the 2021 season. Yeah, they'd have some nice size there if they had a Galladay-Pittman combo. That'd be pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely done with Jonathan Taylor here. So, um, yeah, man, I like the thinking on that. What about a couple of running backs? I mean, we've got Chris Carson, we've got Kenyon Drake, we got Jamal Williams that now is saying he, you know, most likely won't return there to Green Bay, but some interesting pieces that can move around the board in the running back position. Yeah, so um I mean, I think the the one team that really comes to mind when you look at running back needs are the Falcons who could probably, you know, maybe sign and draft someone, um, you know, and then maybe have uh I don't know. I, I could kind of see them going for one of the big fishes in this draft, winding up with either ATN or Najee Harris or Javante mm. Williams, and maybe complimenting them with like Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, I don't know if, if they want Edo Smith to be their number two. I kind of like Edo Smith actually, but um, you know, maybe ideally he's more of a, a versatile three guy and you kind of need a, a deep, running back room. I mean, well, I think this is going to come up a little later in the show, but, um, you know, I think you need two or three there. They definitely need to build for the Falcons. I could see uh, Drake being a fit for them. And I think the 49ers might be in play. And wouldn't it be nice for them, a nice feather in their cap, if they could steal Chris Carson away from their hated rivals up in mm. Seattle. And, uh, you know, Carson has just been you know, he's such a heart and soul kind of runner. Like the guy just lays his body on the line. And, uh, you know, to take a warrior like that away from your division rival, uh, you know, and give yourself the, the featured back you've been looking for. Because let's face it, I mean, I I don't know if Mostert's that guy. Kind of a late bloomer. I mean, now he's already basically on the cusp of 30. And, um, you know, not especially big guy and showed last year he had kind of had trouble staying healthy. So I think they could use uh, a guy who can really sort of carry the load and then, you know, fill in with Mostert McKinnon. See, I could have had Carson Pegg for Miami until you mentioned San Francisco and you throw the Brandon Ayuk in there with the Debo Samuel and that cross direction jet sweep, kind of all that weird direction going on in the backfield you start throwing that a few times. Also, Chris Carson's three yards in a cloud of dust is going to look like an eight or nine yard pickup on a simple uh, thirty-two dive. So that, that's, that, right. that's an interesting fit there. And like to do those, uh, you know, the the runs and the jet sweeps with some of the receivers they have. Like get a little jet sweep motion with Ayuk or Debo, and you know, have Carson hammering up the gut. It could be a really interesting looking offense. So just to kind of run down here right now, we got we got Galladay going where? Uh, Ravens. We got Fuller to the Colts, Juju to the Raiders. We got Chris Carson to the 49ers, Kenyon Drake going to Atlanta. Now, where do you see a player such as Curtis Samuel potentially ending up? Oh, we talked um, we just talked about misdirection and offenses there, so yeah, um, and and two of the ones I thought would be real interesting for him, uh, the Jets, because I think he's from Brooklyn, actually. Um, I don't know if they need him so much anymore. I, they've already got a slot guy with uh, 
Jamison Crowder. And now that they've added Corey Davis, I don't know if they go after another receiver. I thought maybe the Patriots would be in play. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always interested in injecting some speed into uh, my Green Bay Packers offense, but I don't know if that happens. So I maybe think the Dolphins for him, it seems like they've wanted to have one of these, um, you know, smaller, more explosive guys fit into that offense with Jakeem Grant, uh, Isaiah Ford. And, you know, I, uh, there's my boy, fellow football guy, Mr. Kluge checking in. What's going on, Dave? Um, so maybe Samuel could be a fit there. Maybe. But, you know, if he could work his way into Green Bay, that wouldn't be bad. So I like that Green Bay because I've been thinking about Green Bay looking for that Randall Cobb replacement for Aaron Rodgers. I've been kind of mocking, you know, could Rondell Moore be a draft choice there, but probably not in the first round. What about Elijah Moore? Offers you the same kind of thing, gives you that versatility and stuff that Randall Cobb used to do, which is a lot of what Curtis Samuel does. Now, an interesting one I just thought of while sitting here, and we talked about San Francisco, like you can use the two wide receivers in those weird motions. What about reuniting him? with an Ohio State Buckeye coach in Jacksonville and letting Visca oh. Cheneau and Curtis Samuel do the very similar things of what's going on in San Francisco. I like that. And, and you know, with guys with flexibility about where they can line up. I mean, either of those guys could line up in the backfield, in the slot, out, you know, motion them out wide. That would be a lot of fun. I like the way you think on that. I also like the way you think on Rondale Moore to Green Bay. Mm. Rondale Moore is one of my crushes in this draft so i would be so thrilled to see him wearing green and gold next year there's a pretty big uh tight end right here hunter henry is not signed we obviously had a, a signing in new england where i thought hunter henry might be a fit but now the field's open where do you think hunter henry ends up how about jacksonville for him mm. I, I they need a, a tight end in a big way and i could see him joining that group and um, rounding out the pass catchers, maximizing the weaponry for Trevor Lawrence. Seems like it would be a really nice fit. Yeah, absolutely. You got what they got, the, the, the booty, so to speak, of draft capital they're sitting on. They could pretty much go anywhere up and down the board. So their free agency is really going to dictate what that draft board looks like. We know Trevor Lawrence is going number one, or he should. Um, but what they do here in the free agency could dictate exactly how they attack the rest of their draft. Uh, one of the interesting fits that I thought was going to be for Hunter Henry is the New York football jets. We always want Chris Herndon to be a thing. If you haven't figured it out by now, Herndon is never going to be a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's pump the brakes there. Every year, everyone gets excited. I heard some rumblings kind of around the Twitterverse that Chris Herndon is, is a sleeper this year. We've been saying Chris Herndon's going to be a sleeper for the last three years, okay? Hunter Henry, to me, makes a little bit of sense there. Jets got that uh, big-time draft cap. They've got some draft capital to build around, too. They've got some money in the bank that they could throw around at some free agents. Hunter Henry's going to be looking to get paid. I think they missed out on Jonah Smith, to be honest with you. I think they are looking to add that tight end. For me, the Gotham there makes a lot of sense for uh, Hunter Henry. Now, does he want to go there? I don't know, but. Yeah. Um, an amen on Herndon, by the way. Like, I know 
someone someone I really respect a lot on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was. Someone in in our fantasy world was uh, you know trying to pump the gas on Herndon again, and I'm just like, no, man, one too many times. I'm out. <laughs> if he blows That's... up, I miss out on him. I'm okay with it, man. But it's not going to be me holding the bag this year. That's the wrong pedal, man. That's the wrong pedal. Just move a little <laughs> to the left. Uh, Calvin, Calvin's going to touch on a couple of these more punitive wide receivers here. we got about three more wide receivers we just want to touch on here quickly. Uh, Calvin, what's the next one up? Well, you talk about you know guys that you may want to start to think about pumping the brakes on. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is another one of those guys that has had a really great career there in Indianapolis. Do you think there's a chance he is there, or do you think he ends up somewhere else? Um, you know, I, I've already sold Miami as a possible destination for Curtis Samuel, but like Hilton might make even more sense for them. Uh, Miami native played for Florida international. Um, you know, it's, it's like a, a good home fit. Maybe I I'm a little too sentimental about these guys going home. Uh, but like, it does seem like it would be a natural fit, you know, get a little speed to complement. Devontae Parker, who's not slow by any means, but I mean, Hilton could be the field stretcher that Tua needs. And the one thing I really, really liked about Tua when he was at Alabama was his bucket accuracy on deep throws. I mean, he could just put the ball right where it needed to be on, you know, a a 40 yard post pattern and just drop it right in his receiver's arms. Um, You know, Hilton is... Could be a nice lid lifter for the Dolphins. Uh, real quick here, Antonio Brown. Is there anywhere he could end up that's not Tampa Bay? I think it's got to be Tampa. I can't see him anywhere else. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like just too perfect a system for a guy who really needs to be in the right cocoon. And uh, I think he's where he needs to be. I would love to see this uh, him end up joining forces again with Juju somewhere. I think that would be so much fun. That's not going to happen. Um, it's amazing <laughs> these possibilities you get in free agency. Like, oh wow, that could happen. Yeah, imagine a more perfect city for that than Miami. And by perfect, I mean like recipe for potential disaster. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I don't. I don't think we want to see Antonio Brown in Miami. You mentioned maybe him going back to Tampa, but could Bruce Arians have his eyes on a different former apple of his eye in John Brown, who he loved back in his days with Arizona? Interesting. Yeah. Um, Boy, it it just seems like, you know, they've got the speedy Scotty Miller who they, you know, are not going to be using on 70% of the snaps, but like, I think he's got a role to play there. They've got Tyler Johnson, different, different type of cat, but um, I I don't think they're going to be looking to pay another wide out. I think, you know, Antonio Brown would kind of take the discount since he's probably not going to have a lot of options. Um, You know, my green Bay Packers, that that would be another place where I kind of like, Brown, you know, um, they could use another vertical receiver. I know Marquez Valdez Scantling had his moments last year, but he's also, you know, due for that one head scratching drop every game. And, uh, 
you know, a slightly more dependable deep threat for Aaron Rodgers would be pretty terrific. The the only other spot I can see Antonio Brown possibly ending up is wherever Russell Wilson goes. You know, that's Russell was banging the drum for him, whether that happens or not. If it's back in Seattle, obviously Josh Gordon is no longer. Oh boy, I got to cut him from my fantasy teams. Uh, Josh Gordon is no longer in the picture there. But so Antonio Brown could make a whole lot of sense there. Uh, we're just going to touch it. We have about 40 seconds left of actual football talk. Yay or nay, Aaron Jones, Packers. How you feel? Uh, so, I mean, that 2020 draft was just such a disaster for them. And the A.J. Dillon pick looks more and more curious in light of the signing. Um, you know, realistically, though, you do need more than one running back. I mean, hell, they wanted – they had talked about wanting three last year, and they did. They added Dillon to LaFleur – or uh, LaFleur and um, Brian Gutekunst added – Dylan to Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. So now they've got two, um, you know, and I, I don't think it's, it's like, you know, we're never going to see Corey or uh, AJ Dylan again. Like you need two guys in the modern NFL pretty much. It's, it's rare that you can get through a season with just one guy doing a Christian McCaffrey. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Jones stay. I think he's a hell of a player is kind of a head scratcher when you see that they basically paid him, what the Chargers signed Corey Lindsley for today, and Lindsley is maybe the best center in the game. So, so we have uh, now reached our full quota on NFL talk. We don't have to talk anymore about that, and we get to talk about you now, Pat, which I'm really excited to just dig in this a little bit more, get to know you, uh, let the audience get to know you. So, uh, you've got a, a a long career here in the fantasy football world. I think a lot of people do know a lot about you, but maybe something they wouldn't know is that if you were able to pick your intro music, if you were a wrestler or a closer or coming up to bat, something like that, hmm. what kind of intro music would be the right, perfect introduction for you? All right. So if I was going to get something to pump me up that, you know, if it's walk up music, I'm probably only getting about 30 or 40 seconds. So I need something with just a pumping opening. Um, how about Mountain Song by Jane's Addiction? Mm. Uh, you know, you guys might go back with me on, on Jane's to the, you know, late 80s and early 90s. Um, just a, a thumping bass line to come in, uh, busting out with Perry Farrell's voice and, and Dave Navarro's guitar. Really kick-ass beginning to that song. So I'll go with that. Love that. Uh, I'm I'm very disappointed. We still haven't had a Rod Stewart mentioned yet this whole time. We've done 18 <laughs> shows yet, and Rod Stewart has not been mentioned. I demand a recount. <laughs> I am a fan. I, you know, I, uh, I just don't think Maggie May quite sets the mood for, uh, you know, a, a big at bat in the ninth inning. Who was that one bet? There was a guy who used to come out to like, it's raining men or something. They were messing with him. Like every at bat, they would change his song. It was always something. He'd just shake his head as he went up there. And that's probably what I would do to Calvin. I, I've gone to like a lot of minor league games and in, the, in a lot of the minor league games, that's what they do for the opposing team. They'll just play like, you know, baby shark or something like just totally different to throw them off. And uh, yeah, that's definitely what Matt would do to me. No doubt. <laughs> so we, we've touched a little bit on baseball here and of course, musical tastes, but 
how, how did you get involved into fantasy football? Like, what did you do as a kid? Was there like a baseball background? Did you play football growing up? Hockey? Big, big Nordiques fan, you know? What did you do as a kid for sports? And then how did you get into fantasy football? Yeah, I mean, I was like, so I, I played everything. I played baseball, football, basketball. Didn't play organized hockey, but we did, uh, you know, screw around at the local. I grew up in Wisconsin, so we always had ice in the winter. Uh, you know, we we definitely skated at the local rinks and everything. So I was a multi-sport guy as far as fantasy. I really started with baseball. And, you know, when I was a kid, fantasy football wasn't even really a thing. And, um, you know, I played several years of fantasy baseball. And I was like in a bookstore one day and I saw a book on fantasy football. I'm like, fantasy football? How do you do that? How do you measure the statistics for linemen and linebackers and safeties? How, how does that work? And I read it and I'm like, you know, oh, it's just running backs and receivers and quarterbacks. This is this is stupid. You know, you just ignore all these other players. Um, you know, so I was just kind of appalled by the whole thing and just like put the book down and scoffed and walked away. And, um, you know, a, a year or so later at college, a, a buddy of mine ran this it wasn't even a league. It was more of a pool. We had a draft and then it was like a winner take all every week. I think we all put in like five bucks every week and whoever had the high total took the pot. There were like 10 of us. So it was like a 50, $50 prize every week. And, um, you know, my team stunk. It was terrible. And then like one week I had, it was, uh, I think it was like Stefan page of, of the Kansas city chiefs went off on a Monday night game for like 200 and some yards and multiple touchdowns. And I, I won this pot. I was kind of hooked. And then uh, sometime a few months later, I heard people talking about like season long leagues where it's not just a pool, it's a league and you play games and you have standings. I'm like, oh yeah, this, that's much better than what we're doing. And uh, I think that next year was 91. And I started running this league that is still ongoing today. So that was kind of the, uh, the origin story. Well, we'll probably touch base on that 91 league here a little bit later. Cause I always find these home leagues and the original leagues really fascinating when we talk to everybody, um, real quick back to your child. How did you get hooked on the Nordiques? Are you a Nordiques fan? Like, was that your team growing <laughs> up or no, 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 no. This was uh, I'm actually a Rangers fan which is uh, my dad is from New York originally, and I have a, a lot of family in New York. And I had an uncle who, for lack of a better way of saying it, was kind of an ass and would give me shit about being a Milwaukee Brewers and Green Bay Packers fan. He happened to be a big New York Islanders fan, so I took up Ranger fandom just to spite him. And uh, I think, you know, after I decided I was going to, cheer for the Rangers just to get his goat. Like we got cable TV right after that. And suddenly I had WOR from New York, which showed every Ranger game. And, um, you know, suddenly my Ranger fandom became legit. This was just for a family trip to, uh, we did a little family summer driving trip to Toronto and then to Montreal. And I stopped in Montreal and uh, there was some, some, like gift shop and i saw this 
lovely hat and I, I needed to have it, you know, and I, no, no favoritism, Matt, for the Nordique over the Canadians. Uh, you know, I, I like them equally. I never had a dog in that fight. I never cheered for one over the other. And, you know, like, I would really love to see the Canadians get a cup one of these years. Like, that would be so cool. It would be nice. We've been suffering long enough. Uh, I was I was kind of hoping there was some going to be some sort of bonding experience between yourself and Calvin over the fleur de lis here, because uh, <laughs> Ka- Calvin's down in uh, Louisiana and you got the fleur de lis oh. on your hat, and uh, New Orleans is uh, known for their flu- uh, fleur de lis as well. <laughs> now I know you don't know your football guys' teammates quite well yet. You you're fresh over there. You just kind of joined the the team there. Uh if you were, I don't know if you know any of them very well, but if you were in a combine, because it is draft season, how would you stack up with them? And if you had to do a combine, like say you're doing your Samu uh, cam there with some of your buddies from the industry, who would you want to line up in the 40 against? Oh, man. Um, so against those guys, let's see. I don't know. The good thing is the football guys, they go kind of way back. So I know that they've got some guys who can uh, get, like are in the same age bracket as I am. It's, you know, fantasy is kind of a younger man's game. And um, trouble is like, you know, I, I run, but it's just like the the slow, longer runs and not the sprinting. Like I don't do too much sprinting anymore. I don't think I do too well in the shuttle and the, the three cone would not be my best events, uh, you know, and I don't know if I could get that bar up at all, maybe once or twice, but um, so, yeah, I, I can't think, you know who I'd, I'd love to do the dash against Darren Ravel. Uh, people love to dunk on that kind of Twitter <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know, he has subjected himself to doing a couple uh, sprints filmed on Twitter that, you know, made him the object of ridicule for weeks. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen him run. I, I think I could take him in the 40. I think I could do it. If he runs anything like he films, I think you got a really good shot. <laughs> I'd like to think I could do it. Yeah, I love that. That's, um, you know, so, okay, so maybe it wouldn't have been, the answer to this wouldn't be professional athlete or track star, but... If you weren't into fantasy, let's say at some point the story you told about getting into that first league, like let's say you never were never bit by that fantasy football bug or fantasy baseball bug, like what 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 would you be doing? Like what would be your hobbies? Like what would you be spending your time on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because that's kind of it. It's like, you know, I've got some guys work in the industry full time. I do so it is like largely a hobby. Um you know, I know if I d- wasn't doing the fantasy work, I might actually do the things I used to do in my leagues, like send out, you know, newsletters and, uh, you know, some of the guys in my league, my league would be happier because I would, you know, spend a lot more time on that. I'd cook up more trade offers in my various leagues. Mm. Uh, but God, what would I do for a hobby? I don't know. I'd probably, you know, I'm as it is, I'm pretty like obsessive about like following the PGA tour, I'd probably be more into hockey or whatever. Like I just, maybe I, I would probably watch even more sports if I wasn't like participating mm-hmm. in fantasy. I just like obsessively, if I never had to write an article or do rankings or whatever, I'd just be somehow consuming more sports. I'd probably have read a few more books by now too, which wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I love that. That's uh, that's great. It's always fun to just kind of get to know like what you know. That's because obviously all of us we love that we got passionate about it, and somebody like you, like you said, like you you devote a lot of your time to it. And you know, if you you know if you weren't so into it, like you know, what would that time be spent doing? But it is here, and now you know there is no off season. We've got to the point where I mean, here we are. We're talking about free agency. There is no month in the calendar hardly where we're not thinking about and talking about and working on fantasy football in some way. So, what is it right now, like over the off season, that you are working on? Um, as far as work, just kind of uh, sprucing up fantasy rankings. Um, you know, we're going to be gearing up, I think, at uh, football guys pretty soon to, you know, it's always like a summer deluge of content over there. And I think once the mini camps get rolling and everything, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot more writing. So I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, getting into the NCAA tournament a little bit, um, you know, of course, keeping up with free agency, uh, maybe even trying to get out on the golf course a couple of times. Our, our public golf course, it, we've had some warm weather here in Chicago lately, so the golf courses are actually open. And then we got an inch of snow today. So going to need that to melt off. But, um, you know, hopefully I can get out there again soon before I have to start uh, cranking out content. You mentioned cranking out that content. One of the things that you've kind of made a name for yourself is, is that ranking. And, the accuracy, like I, I keep, I can't fathom how one can be this accurate because God knows I'm not. That said, what's, don't give me your secret, but is there a formula that you kind of come up with? The, like, are you going in and you're breaking down what uh, Corey Davis had for lunch on Friday to kind of give you what Sunday is going to look like? Oh, he, he was too heavy, so he's going to be a little bit slower. Like, how does that process work to become one of the more accurate rankers out there right now? Um, you know, like obviously watching a lot of stuff helps. Like I've been trying to um, do the like seven or eight screen thing on uh, with my NFL Sunday ticket. Um, basically have everything going on and, and just sort of like trying to, sponge it all in as much as possible but um you know just keeping a, tabs on injury information during the week is pretty critical um usage just like follow the usage follow the target trends follow the uh you know snap trends that's pretty key um you know i i being on twitter all the time, as you guys know, it's like if you follow enough people, like enough smart people in fantasy, like they're going to be people dropping some really smart nuggets and you just kind of take it in. Like, I mean, I owe a lot of that success to all the, uh, you know, all the bright people that I'm stealing ideas from all the time. That helps, too. And uh, I do think I mean, one little tip, I like I think people tend to be too sensitive to defensive matchups um you know a, a couple of years ago i was looking at where i was an outlier versus some of the the really good rankers um on a player from week to week like i would look at if i'm i would had a much different opinion of a guy than like justin boone john paulson sean corner some of these guys 
where was I off? And it was usually that I was factoring in the defense too much. And they, they were looking more at volume outlook. And I was looking more at defense maybe on that player. And uh, I would find that more often than not, they had it right. And um, you know, that, that has kind of influenced me in, in recent years. And uh, you know, I, I definitely fade defensive matchups more than I did like 10 years ago seven, eight years ago, even. So I, I can't speak for Kellen because I don't know if he's ever actually won a championship when it comes to fantasy football. I know I have many times. I'm like a multi-champion here. That said, I've never had a sniff of a top 10, let alone being the number one ranker out there. When you finish the season as that number one, what was that feeling like? Like, was it like, I am the champion, you all – Excuse me, peasants. Or was it like, like, were you still in shock? Did it take a couple of days to kind of realize what had actually happened? Like, what was the, what was going on through uh, your head there? I was pretty nervous. I mean, that last week, I did not want to uh, fumble the ball at the the two yard line, you know, because I kind of been leading since I don't know week six or seven or something like that, and it would have been, um, I'd had a, a year like that, maybe like four or five years ago where I led for a long time and then just, you know, totally died the last like three weeks or so just completely collapsed and finished like eighth or ninth. Um, so I was nervous and, uh, you know, I thought I had a pretty decent week in the final week for rankings. And I'm like, I think I got this. And, um, you know, as it turned out, I I really did win by the skin of my teeth because in the last week, I think for that week, I was finished 10th and uh, Nate Jonke of uh, PFF finished first. And, and Nate had been in third and had been just charging hard the last few weeks. And he finished something like four rankings points behind me, which is like it, it really, really close. So, I mean... Yeah, he easily could have tackled me. Basically, I was like falling into the end zone when he, uh, you know, swiped at my feet and and took me down. So I kind of fell into the end zone. But man, did he make it close and big sigh of relief. You almost had your Buddha Baker moment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He was DK Metcalf bearing down <laughs> on me. No question. Do you have any superstitions when it comes to stuff like that? Like, do you like, is it like a pitcher that's throwing a perfect game and you're like in the dugout in the ninth inning before the last week starts? Uh, no, like for games, if, if I'm, uh, if I am coming off some like week where my teams did great in fantasy and, you know, maybe only one of all my teams lost or something, I'll be like, wait, what t-shirt was I wearing last Sunday when, uh, when that went down, that that's about as superstitious as it gets. But you know, if I can remember what uh, you know, what t-shirt or boxer shorts I was wearing that day, I, I might go for two Sundays in a row. Hopefully, with a washing in between. I know, as a, a Raiders fan, and as a fantasy football fan, I usually put my Raiders above my fantasy football teams. It's kind of the way I'm up. I'm still leaning towards that. When you put yourself up against the Packers and then your fantasy football squads and then your rankings, who wins out? That seems like a battle. That seems like that old Cherokee, uh, which wolf wins the one you feed. Like, is there a, 
Yeah, so um, I guess magnitude comes into effect if the Packers are sort of playing out the string. If it's a team I don't believe in, they might take a backseat. But for the most part, they take precedent. Uh, and then, you know, with the rankings, it sort of depends. I generally, I've got so many teams and so many conflicting interests in any given week. And I'm, I'm sure you guys can relate to this where it's like, oh, let's see. So I've got, uh, you know, Michael Pittman starting in this league going against me in two or, um, you know, whoever it is, uh, all these various things going on. So Generally, I'm just kind of cheering for my rankings there. Um, I mean, it's almost like the, the fantasy stuff. Um, you know, some of my older, the leagues that really mean a lot to me, yes, those I'm really tracking. But, um, you know, I'm not looking there at, at live scoring in like 12 different leagues and trying to take that all in. Just kind of watching the games knowing how certain, you know, which guys are sort of key to my rankings week. And, uh, you know, on top of it all, really pulling for that Packer victory. So you've been in the industry for a while now playing fantasy football. Um, man, I'm going to butcher this. The footballgirl.com, is that? Yes, yes. Did I nail that? Yes. Yes. You got it, Matt. You got it. Man, I. You didn't even have to fact check me this time. There's the footballgirl.com. There's your work you've done with fantasy pros. There's the football guys. You, you've done a lot of work around the industry, different companies you've worked with, a lot of partnerships, a lot of relationships built. Is there any of those, which of those relationships do you treasure the most? Like what are the most respected relationships you have in your time in the industry from start to, to where you are now? Oh, um, I mean, I got to start with my guy, John Paulson at, at four for four.com. I mean, John's a fellow Southeast Wisconsin guy. He, um, he is from Waukesha. I'm from Milwaukee, uh, short distance apart. Uh, John's a, you know, we are always DMing each other back and forth during Packer games. Uh, we worked together a couple of years. I did the, the waiver wire, the weekly waiver wire report for four for four. And, and John was basically my editor for that. Um, so yeah, we've become good friends and, and, uh, you know, John, people might not know this about him, but he, they, uh, a championship college basketball team, uh, division three coached by Bo Ryan, who would later go on to coach the Wisconsin Badgers to a couple of final fours. So, um, John is a, a basketball stud, um, you know, and, and Sigmund Bloom at, at football guys I've been friends with for a long time. Um, you know, Mike Tagliere of fantasy pros and I have gotten tight and, um, we always make it a habit to play around a golf the week before the season opener in the NFL every year. And I'm going to, I'm going to lose that because tags is moving out of the Chicago area down to, uh, the Nashville area. So if I want to do that, I'm going to have to do a, a pretty long drive to, to, uh, keep up that golfing tradition, but I just might do it. I love tags so much. So those are just a few. And, um, you know, like, I don't want to leave anybody out. Scott Pianowski of Yahoo has become a very good friend. Um, just so many people I, I really like and, and respect in this industry. I mean, it's like, they're just too many to name. It's like, I'm so, that's one of the more rewarding things 
just like getting to know all these different people, um, meet all these different people. Like it's just so many cool people. It's a, a, an entirely new circle of friends. And as you get older, I mean, sometimes your friendship, your social circle kind of pulls back a little, but like fantasy is the one area where mine is still expanding, you know, like they're dear college friends. I now haven't talked to for 25 years, but I'm still making like new fantasy football friends every, every week, which is great. And that, that is one of the great things about the fantasy football community. Once you've been around, even if you're new new to it all, it, it's very uh, inclusive of one another for the most part. Uh, and, yeah, you can go to Paulson, you can go to Tags, you can you can reach out to any of these guys for football advice. Are these the same kind of guys you kind of reach out for personal advice too? Because that's, that's kind of the thing you said. These are almost like closer friends than your high school buddies or your college buddies. And then – you almost have that personal relationship where they become more than just colleagues or what this is, even though you may not even meet them in person. Love those guys. But for that stuff, I'm still going, I mean, you know, my best friend has been my best friend since like second grade. Um, yeah, I've got some other good friends who my other besties, like since high school, since college, I'm, I'm still going to those guys for the, the, you know, the big life advice, I think. So at some point when we're, we're, you know, we're playing fantasy football. We love, you know, we love playing the game. At some point there's, there's a number of us that are like, Hey, I think, you know, I'd like to do some kind of work in this. And like, it's about, it's a hobby or like, you know, there's something I think I can, I can contribute. What was that point for you where you, where you thought like, yeah, I want to try and contribute in this and, and then you just got started going on. What was the what was the the thought in your head that brought you to, yeah, I want to do more than just play this game. I want to contribute to it. Well, so for me, it was um it it was kind of a job thing because I was in journalism. I was working at a chain of suburban weekly newspapers in Milwaukee. And um one of those best friends was trying to get me down to Chicago anyway. And he actually saw a want ad in a newspaper for, they were looking for an editor at Pro Football Weekly, um, which I, I was reading faithfully every week as it was. And uh, I wound up applying for and getting that job. And fantasy was only like a component of it, maybe 25 to 30% of it. But, um, you know, I, I was diving in and, and you know, working with a lot of fantasy in, in that. And um, so that was kind of my start. It wasn't, um, you know, wasn't deciding to just, it's not, it wasn't like it is for most people who kind of follow on Twitter now. And then, you know, they, they follow fantasy people and get into this and decide, Hey, I, I want to start creating my own content. This was kind of like, um, you know, a, a job thing. And, uh, although I was only at pro football weekly for like three years and then moved on. Um, I left on good terms and they had me continue to do freelance work for a while. And, uh, and I mean, that lasted until they went out of business in like what, 2000, it wasn't that long ago, 2015 or something. Pro football weekly. That, that's like a pretty good entry level into the industry right. right there. That's like starting in like the middle floor and then working your way either up or down. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it was just because, like, it was considered a, a journalism job. I had editing experience, and um, you know, I had also covered some high school sports. Um, so they were kind of interested in that part of it that you know I could actually copy edit stuff and help lay out a lay out an issue and plan an issue and all that. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a fun way to get into fantasy though, and and. I mean, this was back in the late 90s, guys. So fantasy was kind of just getting off the ground back then. There really wasn't anything near the fantasy football media that we have today. It was just, I mean, there were, I mean, there couldn't have been more than a dozen guys doing that for a living at the time. How many times did you have to autocorrect Tim Bianca Batuka? <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't his, uh, God, I can't remember what his actual first name was, but it wasn't Tim, if you remember. Right. Difficult first name that I can't remember. But um, yeah, that was a, that was one for the spell check. <laughs> so, but at some point, like you said, like in the late 90s, this was such a, just a cottage industry. I mean, it was such a small thing. Like, could you ever have imagined that fantasy football would become what it is today? Oh, God, no, not at all. Um, and it's just amazing, like the way that it has gone. And I, I didn't realize what an obsession it was going to be like. Even in the 90s, it was growing. And I remember like my my buddies and I, um, you know, as we talked about, um, as we were talking about back, I can't remember if this was before we started rolling or when we were just talking before the show, but um, how we used to do this, the in the early nineties, it was like kind of the, the manual scoring and everything that we don't have now. Obviously that's the technology has just taken it to another level. But I remember that we used to, you know, watch these games and not really know how our teams were doing. And one of the local Milwaukee stations started running this fantasy extra show after their 1030 news. And they had a little scroll of player stats at the bottom. And we used to like record it with a VCR so we could go watch it back and like figure mm -hmm. out all the, the league scores. Kind of pathetic when you look back on it now, but I mean, that's how obsessive people were about it. And, um, you know, it was, I think that was it. It wasn't just a hobby. It was an obsession for so many people. And then suddenly the people who are really obsessed are like, owning multiple teams and the growth was pretty uh, astounding. So for the people that don't quite understand what a VCR is, it's kind of like a PVR, <laughs> except it comes in a big old kind of cassette that you can't really find anymore. It kind of died when Blockbuster died. There was also, we used to call them tape recorders where you'd record them off of the radio as well to get the same kind of effect. So, um, I don't know where you can find these stuff. Maybe it's your local thrift shop, but the VCR and the tape recorder, those are, those are long gone. It was funny. You mentioned that they were just like NBC news or something on Sunday did something on that. The guy who founded the tape cassettes had just died. The guy who invented that. And uh, hmm. my kids were watching that with me and they're like, you know, 15 and 13, <laughs> they were kind of, there was just a silence that I could tell they were thinking like, what the hell's a, a cassette tape? <laughs> and 
I mean, honestly, like the challenges back in that time, and I was a consumer of information, obviously, you know, in those late 90s and early 2000s, wasn't producing anything. I was, you know, just I was the one that was getting those newsletters in the mail or, you know, then eventually email changed the game. And, you know, you could just hit a button and it didn't cost you anything to, you know, blast those things out. And that was awesome. And, you know, there's been a lot of just a lot of grinds like we've talked you know this is behind the grind we talked about that with a number of different people now including yourself and those challenges were real today there's a lot of different challenges for someone trying to make it there's just so many platforms like now that i'm introduced to clubhouse i'm finding these people who have only existed on instagram or facebook and they've been producing content that i've never heard of before and I thought Twitter was the only place that existed for a while. <laughs> but I mean, it's everywhere. Right? There's people making fantasy football names for themselves on TikTok right now. Pat, like, do you have any advice for like somebody who is right now just trying to make it like trying to navigate these waters and trying to make a name for themselves in this industry? I mean, I think you kind of touched on something there, Kevin, like don't scoff at new technology. Um, in my day job, I was actually editing a careers column and the careers columnist who is much older than I am, like this woman was writing this column past retirement age. She was like, she did a column on Twitter and she was convinced that Twitter was going to be very big. Like she, she was just very, uh, you know, Creation on this and uh like i kind of scoffed at it and she was just so spot on and um you know it took me a while for to come around and and you know realize the power of the medium and i mean tiktok is the same thing like you know the the first time my daughter was getting into tiktok stuff i'm like this is just so stupid but now it's like tiktok is just a behemoth and uh so don't scoff at the new technology and um like on a more personal level i would say don't unnecessarily be a dick to anyone can i say dick on the show is that okay um you, you can definitely say that <laughs> like don't burn bridges um you know people might piss you off but you know let it go um it, I guess sometimes you have to stand up for yourself, but it's don't, that's why the, the unnecessarily comes in, but don't unnecessarily be a dick to anyone. Cause it, it can burn you. People are going to remember that you were a dick and uh, you know, there, there's kind of a long electronic footprints in this, uh, this biz people don't forget. So. Well, you just nailed it right there. Right. The, the footprint is always there. Once it's on the web, you can't take it back. It's it's out there. It's not like back in the day when we were growing up where people would have like a camcorder or a Polaroid. If they wanted a picture, they'd have to take it and then wait. <laughs> no, it's it's instant. You like take this picture and boom, it's out there. It's on the web. And yeah, just when we talk about this, we preach this. We've heard this time and time again. Be, just be kind to one another out there. That, that If there's any bit of advice, that's kind of what it kind of boils down to. Those relationships that you forge within the industry are forever important, not just in the industry itself, but in life itself as well. So many different ways to look at that. If I could summarize what you kind of said, is like roll with the punches, embrace 
the technology that's coming because you ain't going to stop it. And then just kind of be kind. It, it really is that simple. It's so much easier just to smile at someone that it is to frown upon them and put them down. It's so much easier to be nice. I don't know why more sure. people don't be nice because it's so much easier. Sure. What, what's that scientific fact? It, it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. Don't fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. And yeah, my daughter's like way more famous on TikTok than I'll ever be on Twitter. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. Now, we're kind of running close to time. I don't want to keep you up too much longer, but I need to know. We talked about that league back in 1991, the one that is still rolling to this day. Who is in that league? What makes that league special? And Is that your home league? Is that your go-to league? If you had to give up every fantasy football league you have, is that the one that would survive? Yeah, I mean, they're, that's the one I run. That is the one that would survive. They're like they're three sort of friends leagues that I'm in, and they're sort of um, some crossover with these. I think there are two of us that are in all three, and there are like about seven guys who are in two of the three. Um, so this one would be the the survivor. This is a the first two years, 91 and 92, we were 12 teams. I won it both years. And then we expanded to 16 for 93, and it's been 16 ever since. And the only time I've won since then was 2013. So uh, it is a hard league to win. Um, you know, no one else is in no one else is in the business in this league, but there are a lot of really good players. Uh, there are only a couple of fish. And it is hard to win a 16 teamer where, you know, 14 of the guys really know what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, and that's a that's a fun one. We don't do any keepers or anything. It's throw them, everyone back in the pool and uh, we draw. We've all got our team helmets and we draw those helmets out of envelopes right before the start of the draft. So you don't know where you're going until, you know, the minute before. We start up. So that is a, uh, yeah, that's, that's a fun league. I cherish that one for sure. So the one thing I need to know about this is when you go into this draft, you're prepared, you got your rankings out there, you're ready to go. Does anyone else in that league have your rankings that they're going off of? Cause you know, you, you're not, it's not a secret. Your rankings are out there. Is it like, oh man, the guy's pulling off the exact same board I am and it's my board and everyone knows it. Yeah, there's at least one guy who's like, you know, and he'll he'll give me a look. He's like, you know, <laughs> some guy will be in the clock in the 11th round. He'll be like, I know who Fitz would take here. Like if there's someone, you know, high up in my rankings who hasn't been drafted yet. Um, so, yeah, there's there's at least one. And I suspect there might be a couple others, too. So, Fitzy, we're just going to wrap it up here. Uh, kind of send the last word towards you. Where can people find you? What are you doing? And like, kind of talk about this little journey here because it's been a pretty busy last month for you as far as fantasy football is concerned. Yeah. So, um, you know, I continue ever since Pro Football Weekly shut down, I've been working with my friend Melissa Jacobs, the football girl. Um, you know, she is the football girl that confuses people. My, my uh, androgynous first name, Pat. A lot of people thought I was the football girl and they're like, wait, you're a dude, huh? Uh, no, so I'm, I'm going to continue to post my rankings, my my 
pre-draft rankings, my in-season rankings at thefootballgirl.com. And I'm going to continue to have content there. Uh, I do a weekly podcast called Fits on Fantasy that you can find at just about, you know, any podcast outlets. And um, yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, I just joined footballguys.com. Um, I've been a subscriber to Football Guys since like the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, I, I really respect their work and uh, it's fun to be part of a bigger team. And um, I, I think that site is well worth your subscription. If for nothing else, then they have, you know, Dr. Gene Brammel, who I, I think is the premier fantasy football injury analyst, like his weekly stuff. I mean, that's going back to answer that earlier question about keys to ranking success. Dr. Gene is so good at like guessing on Tuesday, whether a guy's going to be active the following week, you know, people shoot me a, a message on Twitter. Like you don't have so-and-so in, in your rankings. Why, why is that? Are you thinking he's not going to play? And like, you know, now, now that I'm on football guys, I can just come right out and say, well, Dr. Gene doesn't think he's going to play. So he ain't playing. So what and, you're saying is now with the football guys, you're going to repeat as the champion next year. <laughs> I'm guaranteeing it, Matt. I'm going to take down 160 people. There we go. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll See, that might even be more impressive than winning that 16-team league there. That's winning like a 164-team league. Yeah, that that is, man. Um, yeah, winning that was definitely – it beats any single – season of success in fantasy football no question and which is good because i had a terrible 2020 season no championships no championship games even um yeah 2020 was one i just want to expunge from uh my memory quickly and uh we'll just focus on the ranking success i guess for 2020 I think all of us out here who you know look up to you and look up to the work that you do can take solace in the fact that you are the most accurate person in the world right now at ranking fantasy football people, and you didn't win any championships last year. So That's right. that makes me feel <laughs> a lot better. That's right, man. It's tough, man. It's uh, you can you can do everything right, and you still need that element of luck. Not that I did everything right by any stretch last year, but. Um, yeah, it's it, winning titles in a, a league full of people who know what they're doing is not easy. And I think that's the main thing. Like, there's a lot of chance, a lot of luck that goes into it, and a lot of planning. There is a lot of research that goes into these rankings. But just like your fantasy football team, you need a little bit of luck along the way. And it, it, does, it doesn't hurt to have little lady luck smiling on you. Um Fitzy, what's that uh, Twitter handle that people can follow you? Are you on any other social media? Uh, just Twitter for now. I'm, I'm not doing the TikTok thing yet, but don't you know, scoff at TikTok, Pat. Don't scoff at it. Yeah, I'm gonna have Matt's daughter uh, walk me through it after this. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get her contact information so she can help me out. Uh, but on Twitter, you can find me at Fitz underscore FF. Nice and simple. I like that. I, I can even remember that without writing it down. <laughs> well, Calvin, uh, I'm going to send you to a word. You got anything you want to send off before we go? 
I'm just, I saw the news that the Saints brought in Jameis Winston. I'm just glad that they did not bring in a quarterback good enough that he has to worry about looking over his shoulder because he's already beat him out in a quarterback competition. And uh, so glad he won't have to be looking over his shoulder at a young guy. Well, Pat, I got to ask you this here real quick before I go. Jalen Hurts or Taysom Hill for 2021? <laughs> I got to go Jalen Hurts there for sure. Like I, uh, <sighs> Can I trust Sean Payton to stick with Taysom Hill at quarterback for the whole season? Or is it just going to be one of these things where, you know, now is it Taysom Hill is going to be the starter and they're going to run Jameis Winston for snaps like they used to do to Drew Brees? No, I don't know. Um, I am kind of a Jalen Hurts guy, so I'll, I will go with Hurts there. There that you go, the expert. <laughs> sorry calvin <laughs> the, the expert has spoken jalen hurts right. over Taysom hill but you're not going to convince calvin otherwise mm. uh for uh fitzy for calvin for myself this is the dynasty vipers viper cast and uh we'll see you on friday when we bring in the hitman himself mike wright catch you later <laughs>